0: D20
1: Radio, your gamer's rog. www.d20radio.com
0: Welcome to Opcast, Arms Around the Trinity Continuum. Our podcast does in-depth reviews of the books covering everything from first edition to the new story path system edition of the books published for the Trinity Continuum, including Aeon, Adventure, Aberrant, and more. Our show is hosted across the multiverse, and sometimes we may reference times, places, and shows that you don't have in your feed don't worry, this isn't a bug. It's just us referencing alternate timelines. We'll do our best to ensure all episodes end up appearing eventually, but they may not always go out in the order where we record them or even have the same hosts. If you'd like to email us with awesome comments, ideas, or frustration, you can do so at tcopcast at gmail.com. My name is Scott Cuban. I am one of the hosts of this podcast. I also run Simulacra Studios. It's an actual play studio. Uh, You can find us on Twitch and YouTube at Simulacra TV. And I am the co-host of the RPG discussion podcast, Polyhedron.
1: Hi, I'm Josh Heath. I'm one of the hosts of this show. I'm also the host of Werewolf the Podcast. And I am the chief operations officer of high-level games, which does lots of different things. So you might uh, find us out there on the internet at some point. But today we'd like to shout out the Forge, a member of the D20 Radio Network. The Forge is a Genesis RPG podcast all about the amazing options the Genesis role-playing game presents. Definitely an interesting podcast. Definitely something you should check out if you're interested in the Genesis system.
0: I played a couple Genesis system games, and I think they're pretty neat. I like that system. I think it has a lot going on.
1: Yeah, it looks like they're coming out with a Genesis version of Twilight Imperium, Ooh. which yeah, like f- one of my favorite board games that has lots of lore built into it yeah. and the idea of an RPG for it sounded awesome. And it being Genesis made me kind of go, hmm, now I'm
0: intrigued. So, Interesting. I haven't so. played Twilight Imperium, but it's, one, it's on my list of always wanting to have played that.
1: So. Oh, my word. Uh, I, I know it takes a weekend, basically. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, friends and I used to get together and plan out the board Oh. And that would take six hours. Yep. And then we would play the game over nine to twelve hours. That's so yeah.
0: Woof. Yeah. Uh, okay. So today we are talking about the first edition of Aberrant, uh, which is the uh, second in the released order of the Trinity original Trinity Universe games. Uh, it it's uh, quite different from the Story Path edition. They've made some significant updates and changes to the setting, as well of course, of course, the system. Um, what are your initial thoughts about Aberrant, Josh?
1: Aberrant was and still is this edition of it is still probably my favorite game of all time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It is one of my favorite supers games of all time. It is kind of the apotheosis of the iron age of comics. It really excels at kind of showing that style in a certain way, but in a way that also allows you to play other styles of superhero games as well. While it may be iron age in its design, it absolutely can do silver age and four color uh, pulp games and all those other styles. And they even talk about it in the books, how to do those different styles of games. So, Mm -hmm. um, it's definitely an amazing uh amazing game
0: uh yeah i agree wholeheartedly i love aberrant uh you know talking about the first edition it it you know definitely was the first super game that i really got into because it was uh very more of a people with powers game uh than a superhero game yep. It had a far more realistic take on you know what would happen if, if people actually had these powers uh you know, and I, I that appealed to me more than than other sort of you know more comics based role-playing games uh you know I guess I, that's the the long way around of me saying I'm a more of a Marvel fan than DC fan um <laughs> which is absolutely I think
1: the feel of mm-hmm. of this is it was this actually this edition is more of like an image comics yeah. or a dark horse comics um feel um or even uh, I'm not thinking of image who am I thinking of I'm thinking of Hellblazer and things like that. Uh, Vertigo. Vertigo. Very much a, there's some darkness here. Yes. yes. And you're going to have to like work through that darkness to If you are going to have any superhero antics mm-hmm. there, you're going to have to work through all this like humanity to get there.
0: Yeah. And we'll definitely talk about that as we talk into more about the themes of it. Um, but one thing I wanted to mention as with all of our first edition books that we cover, we're going to be, only briefly touching on the rules uh, because our our line is that uh, the second edition rule set, say what you will about the differences between the settings, by and large, the story path edition is going to be a superior edition uh, and a more playable edition. And no more true is this in yep. Uh aberrant is where the, the storyteller system went as far off the rails as I think it's ever gone. Yep. Um, but we are basically approaching this from a uh, mostly a setting perspective as you know talking about the setting and pointing out things in the setting that you may want to mine for your story path edition game uh, if you are so inclined to look look backwards and see what you per- might prefer from this edition
1: yep and what I love about this particular book is from the beginning it really it does what a lot of the books in this uh, in the continuum did in the first edition was have an in-world section mm-hmm. that is uh, in this particular book you know not huge it's about a third of the book yeah it's about 100 pages which is fantastic Yes. and then after that you get into the actual like meat and potatoes of how the game is built and designed but this in-world setting is something I go back to and read and reread over and over again, because it's so well done mm-hmm. that it is just fun to read by itself. And while I love the second edition or the newest edition, the story path edition, going back and rereading this fills me with joy every oh, yes. time, even though, even if it's not a joyful read, it mm-hmm. fills me with an excitement to dig through it. Yes.
0: I, I wholeheartedly agree there. Uh, I would say that the this this sort of the in color section, we talked about this when we talked about Aeon and the the way they set that book up. I think that this is even more they went they went even harder on that aspect in this because there are all there are so many different sources of information that this uh, is gathered from. Yeah, which is very interesting and very cool. Um, But let's talk about the art real quick. How do you feel about the art in this book? The art in this book
1: is fantastic because it is a mix of different comic styles. It references Watchmen regularly, Mm -hmm. which is very, very smart because the deconstructionist sort of themes of Watchmen are present in Aberrant. And it also has this mix of like Internet of stuff, not Internet of stuff, but Internet stuff thing Mm -hmm. that it's got going on because they were really prescient about how important the internet or in this the opnet would Mm -hmm. be in our lives and the social media elements while social media didn't exist in 1999 not in the way that it exists now and yet they knew or they could guess that that it would be something similar to that that would be incredibly important Mm -hmm. and that plays into the the trade dress and the styles and everything that are built in here it's so well done all of the art in here is fantastic I don't think there's a single piece in here I look at and go that's terrible yeah there's some of them I like more but every one of them speaks a different story
0: yeah I wholeheartedly agree like they, they really they really went all out into like it's just enough comic booky and yet just enough more grounded um, so that it kind of straddles that line, um, like I said, you really get the impression that this is a game about people with powers, yep. uh, like real people who have who, who have real uh, thoughts and motivations who are not not you know caricatures, um, and that that bleeds through in pretty much every aspect of of the the book that we that we have here,
1: Yep. And um,
0: I think yeah. I'm going to have to to call out my favorite piece here. Uh, because it is so, so damn iconic. Uh, it is on page 88, and it is the, the the iconic image of Divis Mall with Leviathan behind him uh, with the excerpt of the Null Manifesto. I think that there is few pieces of art that just jump out at you uh, in terms of what it is selling and uh, in, in, in the imagery that it's calling out. Uh, I, I look at this image so many times.
1: Yeah, I can't tell you how many times I have looked at this image and just stared at it for lengthy periods of time mm-hmm. because it is comic book-ish, but also religious mm-hmm. in aspect. It plays on so many different themes and in the art that it is something that I think everyone should take a look at. I really I don't think they brought that piece into the new edition. But there's some homages to it, mm-hmm. um, and I would love for that piece to just be the cover of a uh, Terrigen book. It would yeah. be. It,
0: it was the cover of the first edition Terrigen book. I, I would hope that they they will repurpose this image somehow, somewhere, uh, when we get something more focused on the Terrigen. Um, but yeah, it's it's just it. You're right. I think like one of my favorite things about superhero um, fiction. Uh, and I think it's emblemi- emblemized by aberrant more than almost anything else, is comics and superheroes as modern, modern mythology. Mm-hmm. Uh, the idea of these are, our, these are our Greek gods. These are our heroes. Uh, these are our people who we, we follow, the stories that we follow to, um, to learn our lessons from. And that image right there, that is the demon and that is the god. Uh, And it's so evocative. Um, So yeah, so definitely the art. Is is there any other art pieces that that call out to you other than that utterly iconic one?
1: Number seven, page seven, Uh has a shot of the fireman absorbing fire into him. And Mm. it's one of the very first pieces in the book, but that piece is super important. Mm -hmm. and again every time i look at that i think oh that's randall portman that's the fireman and i like every time that they riff on that particular image because it is so important to the setting Mm -hmm. because it sets up the beginning of this is end day this is where novas came from this is the first nova that we all knew about Mm -hmm. and that is such a cool thing. It's such a cool way of, of, of introducing the story of the setting.
0: Absolutely. Uh, So we talked about the layout of the book. Uh, We have no introductory fiction in this one, uh, which is, uh, which is an interesting choice, but they, they basically go right into Randall Portman. Uh, They give us an interview with him. The first off the book, there's a lot of interviews. There's a lot of, of media. Media is, is very forward in this. Uh, I think any any piece that you're going to see in this folklore section is a piece of media um, with the rare exceptions of like s- private messages from people. But they very, very, very focus media uh, in all its various forms. Uh, you know, you have uh, websites, you have news sites, uh, you have um, they have this excellent couple of things where it's like TV images uh, with text underneath of them. So it's like you're you're watching sort of slices of TV, a TV show. Um, all very evocative of the very media forward na- nature of the setting.
1: Yep. I also really love the timeline in this, mm-hmm. which is the second thing you get after or second or third thing you get after that interview. And it is so helpful for grounding you in the Alternate history of this world, you know, end day Mm -hmm. or the day that Nova's erupted or appeared on the world was 1998 when this book came out in 1999. So they're telling you kind of right away, hey, this is a completely alternate history, Mm -hmm. run with it, right? Yep. And then they go and they give you a timeline till 2008 and say, this is when the game is starting, or we're assuming the game is starting for you, is in 2008. Mm -hmm. now it's 2021 (laughs) and i gotta tell you looking back at some of this timeline was always been funny yeah because some of the things that they thought were going to happen whoa yeah some of the things that they guessed would happen are weird though they call out pope benedict as being the next pope and i was like huh, that was a little like creepy that they guessed that because i'm not sure why they would have picked benedict over any of the other Apple names, but there's some other things like that. There's some neat stuff in this timeline that I think anyone running Aberrant should read the timeline just for oh yeah, the story hook ideas. Yeah, it
0: definitely is full of story hooks and it gives you a very condensed, very good um view of the world. They also spend a lot of time talking about um the physiology of Novas uh and the nature of quantum powers and and a lot. They go into multiple sections. Uh, talking about the MR node, which is different from the second edition. They went with MR coils. Although they do describe MR coils as something that exists in the Novas and first edition. They just kind of fully went over to coils in in the Storypath edition. Mm -hmm. But they go into like multiple perspectives, much like in Aeon, multiple perspectives on the science behind Nova abilities uh, and Nova physiology, which I think is great because like that really makes you think about, oh, novas are incredibly different beings. They have changed significantly. Um, and that helps you, you know, think about playing one of these people. But it also bleeds into some of the more philosophical questions that get brought up when we talk about Terrigen philosophy uh, and the, you know, the, the sort of the, 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 the push from things like the directive and utopia for novas to stay human. Uh, in their, their nature. And right off the bat, while the, the question of whether novas are human or not might be an open one, they are physiologically very different. Right. And
1: that is a really cool question to experience in game and just say, not just outwardly, like I can look completely human, but internally my internal chemistry and biology is different than a regular human's is. What does that mean? Am mm-hmm. I still human?
0: Yeah. I mean, that's that's one of the, the quintessential sci-fi questions of what is a human? Right. Uh, like that, that is one of the questions that sci-fi uh, keeps going back to because it's a, it's a fundamental question. And this game wrestles with it really, really well. Yep. And super effectively, just really
1: well done from a story perspective on every level. You, mm-hmm. When you've got this transition from, I'm looking like a regular human to I look like a monster and you've got that entire spectrum of do I feel human to I feel human but don't look it and how do I how do I uh, meander through that and figure out what is really the truth as it
0: were yeah yeah uh, they have uh, a lot of things about McNovas in society um, they have uh the one thing i will say about this chapter is that it is not it's not delineated very well mm-hmm. things just kind of flow from one topic to another uh and you can look at like the headings on the page on the, on the the pages to kind of see generally what it's talking about but this is very much a sort of an a, a very undifferentiated flow of information which reading through can be a little taxing if you're trying to find specific stuff it mm just a minor criticism of it. But otherwise, other than that, it's just a beautiful section. Yeah. It all depends on
1: what you're trying to get out of it. If Mm -hmm. you're looking for a reference, it's going to be hard to remember, Hey, the reference in this memo on Mm -hmm. page 21 is the story hook that I want to use for my game. That can be great. But when you're reading it, that's a good point to take notes and Mm -hmm. write down your note and say, Hey, page 21, second memo this is the story hook I'm going to use. And then you can go back and reference that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you're trying to find that sort of thing in play, yeah, it's a little bit difficult.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, and that is something to note, like, um, because you very well might hand this to a player or, or point to a particular page to a player, but like, Oh yeah, this is information that is readily available. You just find it on the opnet, net uh, and, you know, you, you can find this information and reference it.
1: Yep, which Um, is cool. Like, it's cool to be able to hand this as an artifact mm -hmm. and say, this is an in-world artifact, and you know this information. And they do filter in secrets in here. Oh, yes. But some of them are kind of open secrets. They're open enough that I would hand them to a player and go, you've heard rumors of this. Mm -hmm. You don't know that it's true, but you've heard the rumor about this thing. And I'm generally okay with that. Um, that it kind of gives away some of the secrets of the setting in here because, well, then it allows you to decide as a player, how much do I believe in these things? How much do I fear them? How much do I worry about them?
0: Yeah. Um, there's also some just like funny stuff in here as well. Uh, like the one that, that always gives me a laugh is on page 22, the uh, self-made Nova's. Uh, section where it just basically talks about novas who don't receive any formal training uh, but also like advice on how to erupt from people who really shouldn't be giving this advice right uh, it, it's very darkly funny but I laugh every time I read it because it's just the word it's just wow you really shouldn't listen to this guy
1: there's a lot of that dark humor in this too mm-hmm. it's, a, it's again it's that Iron Age comics sort of feel where there's it's a deconstruction of the classic hero tropes Mm -hmm. but if you want to lean into being a hero you can do that you can play Mm spider-man in this just as easily as you can play the watchman and it not feel weird or against the genre or the setting it feels like you can do both of those
0: things really easily and let's not also forget in addition to night and to iron age comics this is also 90s white wolf uh, which is its its own flavor of uh, dark and subversive. Uh, you know this this is uh, definitely uh, you know the pe- these is the people who wrote Vampire, right? Um, <laughs> never forget that. <laughs>
1: um, One of the things too, Scott, that I randomly am just going to talk about that I like in this mm-hmm. section are the character profiles. Yes, you get these great character profiles of a picture of a, of a key NPC like on page 30 is skew Mm -hmm. and you've got a little bit of information on their power level, which you could use to create a character sheet from you've got their background information and you've got the general feeling like these are from DeVries or these are from project utopia, or these are from someone else who has collected all this information on these particular novas and put it together in a little file. And it's so helpful for going, oh, this is an NPC that I want to show up in my game. Here's all the information I absolutely have to have on them to portray them for 10 seconds or an hour or however long they're going to be in this scene.
0: Yep. And it's also very similar to like thing, like the kind of profiles that you get on comic book characters. Yep. Like the, the this, you know, these delineations of strength, intellect, speed, offense, defense, versatility, like that's almost word for word what you get on like a, a Marvel encyclopedia for, for an X-Man or something like that. Yeah. Uh, like, and it, it's very I- emblematic and iconic. Um, there's also, there's just a lot of like, um, you know, you, you have some sections of like man on the street interviews, just like a couple of sentence of, of what people in the universe think about the goings on and, um, you know, you have this, a really excellent profile of uh, Alejandra, the uh, one of the the uh, she's a singer. Um, they have an interview with her and that just shows the sort of the, the media lifestyle that some novas can be, you know, the, the idea of superhero as celebrity. Uh, I think Aberrant really did that incredibly well. I think it probably was one of the first to really hammer that aspect of of super home. The idea that these people would be celebrities, they would be media darlings. Yeah, I think
1: this is the first time that I can remember because even in comics at the time, they weren't really, they were like slightly touching mm-hmm. on the celebrity of some heroes like the Fantastic Four and things like that. Like they were like slightly referencing those. But this is the first time that I can remember the idea of being a sports star type celebrity at the same time as being a superhero really packaged together in a really effective way. And it really is effective. Like you get the spectrum of project utopia, what it would mean to be a member of a public facing organization that is going out and saving people and helping the world or a member of the Terrigen who are semi-secretive, semi-terrorists, but also Nova liberationists mm-hmm. and, You've got that spectrum of what if I'm a celebrity that is one of those people, and if you're interested in seeing how those two things play out, listen to our, you know, aberrant youth.
0: Oh yeah, atomic game, youth. atomic Played youth. that game. a lot.
1: Man, it's excellent. Such so an excellent game.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, speaking of other random funny bits, I've just turned to the page. Uh, it's uh, page sixty and sixty-one. It's a little. It's an opnet site about masks and novas, um, and it has one of the the. The thing that made me laugh really hard when I first read it is, you know, Mephistopheles' comment on why he wears a mask. It says, so when I beat your punk white ass, you can't serve me a summons. And then there's an editor's note of, of the Supreme Court ruling that says that this is not in fact the case. <laughs>
1: yeah, it's great.
0: Uh, <laughs> there's lots of
1: things like that. There's so oh, much yeah. good humor and good, just even like dark bits where there's oh, yeah. like, here's an aside or here's a small like, A sidebar where you're like oh man that information is dark for example one of the plot points spoiler here but one Mm -hmm. of the plot points of this edition of aberrant is that aberrants are being sterilized against their will Mm -hmm. and that is something that changes in the next edition they do not have that um which i can understand the choice to do that but project utopia actively sterilizing and Project utopia is supposed to be the good guys yeah of the setting them actively sterilizing novas as a plot point is a huge deal here yeah and y- well, it's, yikes
0: it's not just sterilization there's also um in there's also implications that project utopia or let, let's make the distinction between project utopia and project proteus uh because both are both are arms of the Aeon Society tasked to deal with Novas, um, but they do not, they're not entirely the same. Right. Um, You know, um, they, they do not necessarily, one does not necessarily know what the other is doing, which I think is an important distinction because it does allow you to, it allows a degree of separation of saying Project Utopia, mostly good. Project Proteus, they're the bad guys. So if you wanted to play, like that's something you could play out of like, I'm a member of Project Utopia and I find out about Project uh, Project Proteus. I now have to decide, okay, how do I deal with this? How do I, you know, if I want to stay true to Utopia and its, its stated ideals, how do I purge this cancer? Um, but uh, they also, um, Project Proteus is implicated in, um, manipulating conflicts that lead to high nova death rates right um and i think like they're they don't just do this because they're being evil uh not necessarily i mean it is a bad bad thing to be doing but uh something that it it sort of implied is they're doing this because of good old max mercer they have foreknowledge that the aberrant war is coming and the only lever that they have identified for making that situation survivable is reigning in the population of novas. Um, which, that's that's but that's my take on like the big why they are doing this, right? And from a very broad utilitarian look of the look of it, that is a not unreasonable conclusion to come to. If, you, if you, you look
1: at it, it from Product Proteus' point of view, I completely mm-hmm. agree that when you get to the second generation of novas, that was Mm -hmm. what they identified. I don't know if we find that out in this book or another one. Not quite. Anyway, once you get to that point, that's when Max said, that's when this aberrant war is going to occur. Mm -hmm. And they're trying to prevent that next generation of aberrants or novas.
0: See, I'm even going in there and using the pejorative language, but. Well, they, they, I mean, I'm rereading this section, um, it's very telling. They do a very good. They do a very clever thing with language in this book. Of where, when when do they use the word aberrant? When they use the word nova? When you're looking at the earlier doc, the earlier um, pieces of information and and documents, people will refer to them as like lowercase aberrant a lot. Right. And then you get the idea that PR came in and came up with the term nova. And the hammer of PR came down, and then everyone starts using NOVA unless they're referring to them as a pejorative. So you get the idea. Aberrant was the word that people started to use, and then the utopia PR machine came down and and forced it on. No, we're using NOVAs now. And then we look into the future, and we realize that over time, aberrant becomes the the word that is predominantly used uh, because of what happens to them.
1: Yeah, for sure. And... Um. I think the one thing that I look at with that plot and go, I think, Proteus, I think you set yourself up for this occurring. Yes. Oh, yes. You you created the aberrant war by treating aberrants like they were, you know, monsters to begin with. And who knows, of course, if that, you know, furthers the war or slows it down. Mm -hmm. But um, it's definitely something.
0: Well, I mean, that's also balanced against, and this is something more of a mechanical thing, but it's balanced against the the very real fact that Novas do change over time and do can become more unstable unless they take very specific, um, you know, in this in this edition, actually, it's even more inevitable. Uh, because uh, in this edition, the only real way to deal with taint, uh, it's what they call it uh, with, they refer to it as corruption in this, in the story path edition here, it's called taint, um, which, you know, you, we can laugh at that now because ha ha taint, uh, but well, we laughed at it back then. Um, uh, but there was, they, they added something called grounding in the story path edition that allowed people who didn't have chrysalis in order to manage that slow transformative corrupting energy. Um, whereas, so in this edition, it's either chrysalis or nothing, right? right. Like you're you're gonna de- you're gonna and like in chrysalis is a controlled transformation, and so you either have a controlled transformation, or you are constrained in your own power and growth, or you go bug nuts, right? Uh, so there's no middle path there, um, <laughs> and so you know that 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 would they be, be Proteus's counterpoint of, yes, we're treating them like monsters because they all become monsters and we, we kind of have, we see the writing on the wall. So there's, there is a lot of like hard unanswerable questions set up in this setting. Oh yeah. And I and love it.
1: I love it as well. Cause it's just over and over and over again, layers of layers mm-hmm. of like, of gray of mm-hmm. moral gray throughout where you're like, the directive is an organization of all of these different governments that are getting together and saying, no, are kind of scary. Right. Mm-hmm. Like maybe we should get together and have a plan for fighting these guys mm-hmm. if novas get out of control. And you have to look at that and go, if the aberrant war is coming, it's smart for them yeah, to have not, done that. It's
0: not bad. Well, I mean, that that's also it's it's the same paradox that you run to when you play vampire and talk about the Inquisition.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Like you look at the directive and you look at Project Proteus from the perspective of someone playing a Nova and you're like oh yeah these are the bad guys then you look at it from you know like 99 of the planet and they have a different perspective on things uh, and they're looking out for other people so like it's the same thing as a vampire looking at the inquisition you know it really sucks when they come into your haven in the middle of the day and drag you out in the street and you burn to death but you're a blood-sucking vampire right uh so that you can't blame them really Uh, so yeah like um I definitely think this setting is um, its one with a lot of questions. It's a lot of like very gray morality and hard questions. It's also a very espionage-based uh, setting. Uh, there are a lot of factions. There's a lot of trust and loyalty and betrayal uh, and you know, infiltration going on because everyone's trying to get their handle on the Nova situation. Right. Um, because, I mean, as of, as of 2008, uh, there are 6,000 NOVAs in this setting. Actually bring that number down in Story Path Edition to 2,000 NOVAs, uh, which eh, it, it doesn't really make much of a difference. But it is still really amazing to think that everything, everything that is being done, like all of the extreme measures that are being put into place and the extreme changes in the world is because of 6,000 people.
1: Right right? Think about that. Mm -hmm. Think about like, but think about what one Superman could do and then you have to think if there are 2,000 of Mm -hmm. those types of people and what sort of changes the world. Like if you look at comics, one of the things that is kind of sad is they don't change the world around them much Mm -hmm. more than they do. And I'm telling you, having the Fantastic Four doing their super science in your city would change the world you would have a entirely new combustion system like they have Mm -hmm. in aberrant immediately you would have the hyper combustion engine would all already have been created and would be all over the world yep that type of change is inevitable
0: uh dialing back a little bit uh i want to highlight the their, their their section on the world uh and like sort of just you know their 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 look at how things are in the uh in the various parts of the world, the very major countries and continents, uh, because that is written by a character in play, a character <laughs> called Duke Rollo, uh, which is just an Achille being a Hunter S. Thompson for a little bit. Uh, and I cannot love that more than anything. Like, I can't, I can't adore that more than I can. It is the perfect, most beautiful thing. He, does, he nails uh, the Hunter S. Thompson voice really, really well.
1: And he does it again. There's a, a book that they brought out yes. right before Aberrant uh, for Path Edition came out where they let him take another crack at mm-hmm. that whole, I think it's fantastic. Oh. It is so worth reading.
0: Oh, and there's there's also a mini book that, that has more of his essays as well from first edition. That's uh, right. So y- the, if you like that, there's plenty of it. And it's so good. <laughs> <laughs> One uh, of the that-
1: things that I like about this book is how well it ties into the books that come after that, the supplements that come after because they hint at almost like sometimes you'll have a a core game and it's clear, Hey, this supplement's going to come out. This supplement's going to come out. And Mm -hmm. then sometimes you have a core game and it's like, we're going to just create supplements that we feel fill in the universe, but you're not going to necessarily see it as an obvious sort of supplement that's going to occur. Aberrant does an incredibly good job of saying, this is a cool thing that you like in this book. Here's an entire book about the XWF, the wrestling federation. Mm -hmm. And they're just released for backers. The uh, new version of that, the NWE, Mm -hmm. which the idea of having a wrestling game within your superheroes game is just super neat and weird. And I'm not a wrestling fan, but it's a super neat and weird, like niche sort of idea to bring out.
0: I'm not currently a wrestling fan, but I was in the '90s, uh, which is also like '90s White Wolf. They, they, the the, the, the '90s White Wolf office were fr- fans of wrestling, um, if only because you know WCW was an Atlanta company. Uh, so yeah, I mean, it it is baked in there, and that's part part and parcel of the the media celebrity stuff. Um, it's just. It's just a beautiful, beautiful section. And even though it is very different from second edition or from story path edition, I think it's definitely worth your time to mine the crap out of.
1: Absolutely. I would recommend anyone who's interested in aberrant, go and get the PDF from drive through RPG and immediately read this section. Mm -hmm. You don't need to read anything else. You can, there's lots of actually interesting things in the second half of the book as well, or the second two thirds ish of the book, but Really, you're going to get the most out of this first section that you're going to be able to mine for story mm-hmm. ideas. Um, do we want to talk in brief about the second two-thirds of the book? Or do um, we want to just Yeah, let's
0: let's talk in brief about it. But there is one thing I'd like to bring up. Um, it is something that has been completely lost in the Story Path edition, and that is the aberrant faction. Yes. Uh, the aberrant faction, it, it, there is a faction known as the aberrants in the story path edition, but it is completely different from what is presented in the, in the first edition. Uh, and it, the aberrant faction is directly linked to the corruption within Utopia uh, and the sterilization plot and the, 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 the extermination uh, efforts uh, that Project Proteus undergoes, because it's what happens when uh, members of Project Utopia find out about it. Um, and hook up with people who aren't Terrigen, but are not who are not in line with Utopia, and they become sort of the outlaw, whistleblower, watchdog group of the yep. setting. Yep. They're very small. They're very on the run. And they don't have you know the Utopia and the governments of the world are all gunning for them because they, you know, the PR machine has branded them as traitors and malcontents and criminals. And they very much stand between the two poles of project utopia and the Terrigen. And I really liked that faction. Yeah. I really enjoyed them because like, if you wanted to like, they, they are in a setting full of greys. They are the good guys. Right. They're the people who, who do not go in for the, the nova supremacist view, uh, which many can see as sort of inherently bad. And they still many of them still cling to the ideals of Project Utopia um, while still wanting to try and expose and reform. Uh, so I, I loved them. Um, they got their own little, little book because you mentioned the supplements at this book, some of those supplements are full, uh, full splat books. Uh, but some of them are just tiny little, little books that give you just enough information to, to know more than what the core book presented. And I really like the aberrants and like, definitely like that's another one. It's very small to pick up the aberrance book uh, because it has just a lot of really colorful characters and interesting people and people who have a very different perspective on the setting than any of the other major factions.
1: Absolutely. I love in particular Andre Corbin and yes. his entire storyline in this. He is a character who continues on into the story path edition of the game, mm-hmm. but his story with Jennifer Slider and with Proteus and Utopia and kind of weaving through and figuring out all this entire conspiracy, it's clear the Aberrins are supposed to be kind of the player character. hmm thing that's the thing you're supposed to kind of try and do is play yeah an aberrant in in that group um and i think it's fantastic that they designed that group the way they did because it allows you to make characters that fit into that sub-conspiracy basically Mm -hmm. and then you can be anyone else in the world trying to figure out all of these different dark things that are happening chef's kiss amazing Mm -hmm. really well done like storytelling yeah
0: uh, I miss them. I think I, they, they, they do something different with the characters involved in that in Story Path Edition. That's also very cool and very interesting. But I liked that sort of loner, independent, on the run style faction. I think that was a, a, a thing that we are missing in the Story Path Edition. But yeah, let's go ahead and move on to the the more crunchy bit. Um, we have a very different art style in this section. It's very black and white. Um, still very comic booky, but it has actually I think it's more consistent in this this back half of the book. Yeah. Um, and, you know, really great little, uh, you know, mostly it's a lot of uh, little tiny bits of art in front of the powers uh, that sort of give you a, sort of an emblem, emblemic view of what one Nova is doing with this particular power. Um, but yeah, this is a lot of crunch. This is a lot of, of rules, mechanics, mm-hmm. a little bit of storyteller advice. And it is, it's like I said, it is where the storyteller system went off the rails. Yeah. Um, They,
1: they designed a a D10 dice pool system, mm -hmm. which should have been great. Mm -hmm. And then they added the entire system of mega attributes Mm. to it. And when you, in this system, when you add those mega attributes, you're adding extra dice on top of your current existing dice pool. And you quickly get into 20, 30 d10 pools mm-hmm. if not higher when you get you know more and more powerful
0: well and and those mega dice count for more successes right like they count for two successes on uh on like a, a seven through nine and uh three successes on a 10 i believe is how they handle those yep.
1: i'm pretty sure that sounds right uh, to me
0: so you get not only ridiculous dice pools ridiculous amounts of successes and i i will say that if you go, if you only play a game up to quantum five, it mostly works, right? It gets a little crazy, but you can mostly work. It's when we get up to quantum six and above that, it just goes completely haywire. And that is and you know, we'll, we'll talk about that when we talk about the uh, advert players guide, because that's where you get the rules for quantum six, but even here, it's crazy.
1: Yep, for sure. And then you also have the system of building your character. The character creation system in here is difficult in that you have your core character creation design. Mm-hmm. And then you have Nova points for you to build all of your powers and everything, which you still have some of that crunch in Story Path Edition. But what makes it hard is then you have an entirely different system for experience points. Mm-hmm. What I appreciate in Storypath is they decided, hey, experience points are gonna be our single system and that's how we're gonna design the entire Nova building system. And I think that works so much more effectively to take this like three tier of a system of mm-hmm. building and really focus it and be like, hey, we're gonna make this not more streamlined necessarily but we're gonna make this a little bit more focused and easy to understand.
0: Yes. Yeah, I I agree with you wholeheartedly that the the Nova point system um, and it's emblematic of a lot of White Wolf games that era where you had, you know, bonus points that you used your character to build. This was that taken to an extreme Uh, and functional like you could do it. I could crack. I could probably sit down and crack out a a first edition Nova out of this book. No problem. But it's just it's easier to do it with XP. Like because like it just flows into normal XP so much easier and there's no no distinction, um, yeah, they they definitely did things differently uh, here and and it's not as good as it could be.
1: Yeah, but it's still one of my favorite games. Oh yeah, so absolutely. I would play the heck out of this even with the flaws in it. It's still really well designed, and mm-hmm. what I like is that the modular, this modular uh system of design for your powers and things like that is really really well designed and it's not say uh it's not new this was something that existed in other supers games prior to this but this is one of the best uh, for the time modular systems for creating your uh your powers and everything and it does so much better than um uh, say Well, I won't name any names, but it does much better than other supers games at having that be both crunchy and, and customizable, but also a fairly streamlined system for you creating your own customized character.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Um, And it got even more customizable when you got the the player's guide. Uh, It it had more customization rules for that, but we'll talk about that when we talk about the player's guide. Yep. So, yeah, Um, Aberrant First Edition, final thoughts?
1: Like I've said before, I would play the heck out of this again, anytime, any day. If someone were to come to me and say, hey, do you want to play Aberrant? I'd be like, yep, sure. Mm -hmm. I'm on board. I'm there. I'd be like, have you checked out story path?" And they'd be like, yeah, but I'd rather play First Edition. I'd be like, okay, I'm there. I'm willing to play it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I'm probably right there with you. If, if, they ha- if I had a stubborn story guide or a stubborn storyteller who really wanted first edition, I'd go with it. But I definitely think that there is a lot in first edition setting-wise um, that you can just dig into for uh, a, you know your story path edition game. Uh, like if you wanted to make the world a little darker, uh, if you wanted to, to gray up people's motivations, um, if you wanted a bit more gritty and espionage based setting, this is some inspiration to do. Um, I will say, like reading through, I I did find a couple of like places where I cringed a little bit. Oh yeah, uh, there is some there is some not nice language from time to time in this book um, uh, that definitely deserved an update. <laughs> um, so get be be like we like we said, this is nineties. This is late '90s stuff. This is Iron Age. This is '90s White Wolf. Um, by this time, you should know what that means in terms of how you know it's more progressive and more like inclusive and um, you know uh, forward-thinking than a lot of stuff. But there is still going to be some traps and, and some uh, some tripwires in there. Uh, you know, if you if if you're concerned about that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent this book is not perfect because none of the books in the era were perfect, but it is, it is a product of its time. So yeah, there are absolutely some moments where I would be like, Oh, I would not use that word in the book. Oh my gosh. Mm -hmm. Why would you do that? But you know, it is still worth the read for pulling out all the cool ideas that it has within it.
0: Yeah. I think like, because it's such a big issue, the, 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 the sterilization plot, um, I I think that definitely does need like consideration if you're going to start mining from that, because it's, it's, it doesn't work on so many different levels because it's one of the things of like, we have super intelligence novas. Why wouldn't they figure this out immediately? Right. Like that, like in addition to being like kind of tasteless in terms of, you know, dealing with issues of fertility, which can be a very big issue with some people um, it, it just, it, it grates against that sort of sense of verisimilitude of like, someone would figure this out and it it wouldn't like a lot of people would figure this out. Uh, So you might want to think about uh, a different uh, avenue for that kind of uh, dark underbelly. Yeah. Uh, I think
1: it's, it's okay to take the conspiracy Mm -hmm. within utopia and make it something different, make it a different type of conspiracy. And then you can pretty much run the same storylines but yeah. Have it be a slightly different conspiracy. Maybe they're killing outright different yeah. novas, and that can be hidden a little bit better, more effectively.
0: Yeah, like killing or containing. Because they do have have a lot of stuff about you know someone who gets too tainted and they black bag them mm-hmm. uh, or take them out. Like that is things that Project Utopia and Project Proteus does. Uh, the Directive does stuff like that as well. Uh, they are not. They are, Directive does not like inhuman looking novas. Right, like, that is the thing. If like if you want to work for the Directive and be a Nova, you cannot look weird um so yeah there's there's a lot that you can pull and play on and and pull into story path edition if you wanted to play a more darker game and they have uh, they have stuff in story path edition to say if you want to play darker here you go here's the deconstructionist uh theme play around with that so it's very easy to do and it's very worth your time because a it's interesting as all get out it's well written the art is fantastic and it has that sort of immersive living quality that all the first edition books have with the full-color sections of in universe information
1: yeah I will also say I think the storytelling section in this is one of the better storytelling sections for a for an older RPG book yeah it's one of the best written it's one of the most helpful particularly for selling a superhero story I think the story um, story path system version is fine it's probably just as good if not better yeah but if you want some other storytelling advice this is a good section to read and get some storytelling advice from
0: yeah i mean it's 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 a lot of the same subject matter just a slightly different perspective yep all right well i think that uh wraps up aberrant first edition so if if you want some iron age and late 90s level goodness uh, definitely give it a look and also make sure that you keep your arms around the trinity continuum